there's so much more to you than you know. Mm. Go explore, you know, don't watch the news, don't read the newspaper, don't form an identity from any of that sort of stuff. You know, find the pieces inside you that are dying, reaching out to get to know you. You know, they're uh, so eager to be uncovered and life will never be the same again. So they're dying to meet you, so go meet them. Yeah. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Welcome to the first show of 2020, first cab off the rank for ATP Media Show, Awakening Consciousness. So great to be with you again. And as I said in the inner sanctum, happy 2020. It's been an intense year already, especially down under. And I have another wonderful Aussie guest to introduce you to. I'm sure many of you have seen him online, Peter Smith. Welcome to the show, Peter. How lovely to be here. Thanks for the invite. I'm just very excited. <laughs> You're excited. Look, uh, I kind of, I found out about your work quite a while ago, probably about seven or eight years ago. I think I reached out to you to have a session. So Peter, let me, let me tell you about Peter first and then we'll go into a conversation. So Peter Smith is a trailblazer in the field of human consciousness. He founded the Institute of Quantum Consciousness to embrace the synchronicities between some of the core principles of quantum physics and expanded states of awareness. His last book, Quantum Consciousness, A Journey Through Other Realms, documents philosophies, methodologies, and case studies behind quantum conscious, the quantum consciousness experience and out-of-body journeys that embrace alternative realities, parallel lives, and interdimensional consciousness. For 10 years, Peter was the president of the Michael Newton Institute of Life Between Lives before being appointed director of the Newton Legacy, a role designed to uphold the integrity of Michael Newton's work as it expanded beyond the current network of 40 countries. Peter has trained consciousness practitioners across Europe, America and Australasia and travels widely to champion the evolution of consciousness for all of humanity. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> Back home in Australia, he balances his time between his own practice, teaching new practitioners, speaking engagements, and writes periodically for a number of publications. His website is quantumconsciousness.com.au and his books include Hypnoenergetics, which is, is that a word you made up? Hypnoenergetics? Yeah. yeah, that's a kind of cool word. The Four Dimensions uh, in 2011, uh, that came out, and Quantum Consciousness, which we talked about, Journey Through the Other Realms, which came out in 2018. Now, it's interesting, when you sent me this little note, I only read this this morning, but I'm going to read this out because uh, it, I was reading this this morning and I could have been reading my own writing. Uh, and I'm like, did I write this? And then as I finished it, I'm like, no, Peter wrote this. And, it, and you say, it's time for humanity to awaken to all that we are. We are incredible 
limitless, multidimensional beings here to change the world. Our systems are failing, are falling away, and the truth of who we are is emerging. For the past 20 years, I've been helping people release their limitations. It is within the grasp of every single one of us. And then you say, I've known Karen's work for some years and feel a kindred alignment with the message we offer people. It's like this is the right time for us to have a conversation now. And I read that this morning and went, oh, isn't that cute? That's <laughs> been... Yeah, it's been growing for eight years, this conversation, I think. Well, it has, hasn't it? I think that when I reached out to you all oh, that time ago, I wanted to have a, a, a session. I think I wanted to have a... Because I had given people sessions, and but I had never... I'd never had a Michael Newton session. I'd had somewhat right. similar hypnotherapy sessions, uh, which was interesting. Um, yeah, and look, oh, I don't know, it didn't happen. I didn't have the money, something happened. I don't know. If I don't jump on something straight away and make it happen, it kind of gets lost because life just keep, mm. keeps rolling in. You know, other things happen, other things happen. So it's like when you grasp it and jump on it that you sort of make it happen. So there's a few regrets I have in life. And one of them is not meeting Michael before he left his body because mm. he came out here to do some teachings. You brought him out here, right? Uh, no, he never came to Australia. He didn't. Uh, oh, no, no, but we, um, you know, I went there and I learned from him and then brought oh. it back over here. I was under the impression he came out here at some stage, but no, they didn't. So there you go. In an alternate reality, perhaps that's true. Oh, he, he always loved Australia. He travelled here um, in his younger years because by the time I met him, he was well in his 70s. Oh, right. So, yeah. You know, when I worked with him from the age he was about 75 or 73 to 83 or whatever it was. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and he passed away at 86. So, um, yeah, he was, um, he was getting on. His last overseas training was 2006 when we taught in the UK. Oh, so that was a while ago. Yeah. Mm. And he retired after that, did he? Well, he came back out of retirement. We, um, we coaxed him out by running a, a Life Between Lives training about two hours from his house. And um, we said to him, oh, we're going to run a training in California again. And um, it won't be that far from you. And he says, oh, okay. I said, you sure you don't want to come out of retirement? He says, no, I'm not coming out of retirement. A week later, we get a phone call. Well, maybe I'll drop by. <laughs> and two weeks later, another phone call. Maybe I could just talk to the students a little bit. And then three weeks later, another phone call. Maybe, maybe I could, um, I could teach a segment. Oh, bless And we said, come on, just come along and do whatever you want. Just come do it. Yeah, and it was quite it was quite funny because um, he rang up. Um, he would always worry he wouldn't get enough students, and of course our trainings were very full in the old days. Particularly when you advertise, he's going to drop in. So he said, "Now, Pete, you know I'm really worried we're not going to get enough students." So I said, "Michael, don't worry about it. We're going to get plenty of people to come to this training." He says, "I'd like to help." And I said, "Well, what are you intending to do?" He says, "I'm going to get the yellow pages. I'm going to look up people who are experienced past life regression therapists, and I'm going to ring them up." So he rings this lady who's a past life therapist in, um, she was in Sacramento in California. And he rings her up and he says, oh, hello, I'm wondering if you'd be interested in coming to a life between life training. She says, she says yes, I've always wanted to do that. Who am I speaking to? And he says, my name's Michael Newton. He says, she says, what? He says, my name's Michael Newton. And um, I'll be at the training and I'm wondering if you'd like to come. And she said to him, she says, 
who is this? <laughs> Think, thinking it was a prank. Yeah. yeah Everybody like... knows I love this word. Who put you up to this and what's your real name? He says, no, no, my name's Michael Newton. And I wrote some books. And she said, she said and she, she, she hung up on him. Oh. And of course, then she went, went and watched some videos and she realised it was him and she enrolled in the training and it's been part of our folklore ever since. About it. it was a great story. But he rang me back because um, I was living in Melbourne at the time. He rang me back and he says, Pete, you were right. I shouldn't have uh, opened up the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, I, uh, I'm thinking, is this before the internet? When was this in 2006? No, the internet was... Uh, this was when he made his comebacks. This was about 2010. Oh, okay. For, for 2011 training. So we, we coaxed him back out again a couple of times. And then look, he passed in 2016. The, I think, yeah, 2016, he left his body. Um, have you had a chat to him since? Oh, time. he's far more. He's still part of a team. He's on yeah. staff, yeah. so he's um, you know he's a a, a great um, provider of insight. And you know, are we talking to Michael? Are we talking to his to his archetype? Is he now in the collective unconscious? Any of that could be right, but we just get some wisdom flowing through, and we use it to great success. No, I often wonder with people like that who have. Uh, gained so much research and knowledge and uh, understandings and wisdoms, how their perspective changes when they re-emerge, when they, you know, cross, when they leave their physical linear mindset. And uh, do you have chats with him about that? I've sensed a couple of pokes now and then um, when perhaps, um, because as a mentor of mine for many years and, you know, we were we were close, and, and we could say just about anything to each other. Um, I, I can't say that stopped, but you know, what are you doing that for? Or you know, I might just tune in, I might close my eyes and tune in. So, what do you think of this idea? And I'll either get a positive vibe or a negative vibe or a keep thinking vibe or whatever it is. And you know, I mean, there's you know, death is an illusion, as you know, Carl. And you know, we're always connected. And our friends are just in the next room. And sometimes we can just um, poke our head through the door and say, what's up? And can you help me with this little piece? And, you know, all of that is, you know, just how life really is. I mean, this is consciousness. I mean, part of us is in a body, part of us is not. Mm -hmm. And it's great to have that distinction. But like you said at the start, I mean, we are so much more than this. I mean, but what I love about this human condition is that this is the doorway that makes it all possible. And if it wasn't for this, these amazing vehicles that we've selected to do our purpose in this lifetime, then none, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. And, I, and I've got to say, and I, I, you know, I love to say this, so please indulge me for a moment, that you know, I, I really believe the greatest act of unconditional love that we will ever experience is when our soul chooses us as the person to be. You know, I mean, you and I are walking around as part of an interconnected immortal essence that knows the wonders of the universe. And that piece chose us and there's 7 billion people on this planet alone, let alone all the other ones. So how honouring is that to be chosen? So when you say chose us, when our soul chose us as the person we want to be, do you mean chose the body, the DNA combination, the genetic combination? Do you mean the personality construct? What part of us did the soul choose? Like, what part of us are you talking about? Well, 
let's just say um, me as an example, I'm an immortal essence that had different choices to come to this planet and I chose Pete and all that comes with Pete. And that's um, everything in his circumstance. Uh, he's going to be born into Australia. Uh, there'll be certain, you know, I'd, I like to think, and this is a diagram that I draw in workshops sometimes, that, and it builds on a diagram that Michael taught us as well, is we have the immortal essence and then we have the human vehicle. And as part of the human vehicle, we have, it has its own personality. Um, you know, we can call it a personality type or whatever it might be. But that soul carefully picks the body, the personality type, the neural pathways, the, you know, the essence of the, the wiring of the human condition. Um, now, it chooses that with something in mind, and that thing in mind is to come here and get something done. Yeah. So then we, they construct roughly, you know, um, a, a culture to be born into, you know, a family to be born into. And most people say, really? I chose my family? <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking say, that lately. <laughs> yeah, I say, sorry, no refunds. So, uh, and then certain certain events that will happen that come along that are predestined and then there's certain contracts as well with people that we meet oh i'm meant to meet you we're meant to do this or that and get better picking that as you get older as you know so with that construct then the way that we interact with the, the culture the family how we do the events how we work with the contracts oh that's our free will so it's like we're given the scaffolding of this life um, but in, with that, I bring my free will as to how I respond to it. For example, as we were talking just before we came on air, um, we've recently moved to the countryside, you know, and, and I was in Melbourne for 25 years. And I got to a stage where I felt the vibration of Melbourne was changing to an extent where for me to do what I came here to do, to evolve, to work further, to do the things that are important to me, I needed to be in a more um, nature-based environment and get out of the city. And that's free will. You know, perhaps um, in terms of alternate realities and other stuff that we'll probably talk about later. You know, maybe there's a part of me that's still in Melbourne, but I bet he's a lot colder than I am just now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, look, uh, this is a fascinating conversation. Uh, I'm having a conversation with somebody in the coming weeks who was contacted by um, some beings and they started downloading information. And, her life and her friend's life has completely changed and they're both going to come on the show but we were talking about free will and she was saying oh there is none there is no free will everything is predestined in some respect um do you have anything to say about that through your research my perspective on free will is that we have decision points placed in our timeline right and in that timeline you know we've got that construct that i mentioned a moment ago and then we put the we bring it to life through our free will and through living through the different situations across our path now i'm more from a, a, a quantum physics philosophy where when we make a decision we actually go in two directions and not one so um you could say that uh, is everything predestined? Yeah, well, everything can be looked at in one long line, and this is how it happened. But there are offshoots across that stream of consciousness where we have created another aspect of us that has gone in the other direction. Now, I actually tested this theory out of quantum physics, and for the last seven years, we've been taking people on journeys to meet their other selves from other timelines. Right. And the reason that we can contact them is that we're quantumly entangled because we were once the same subatomic particles. When we go in two directions, uh, that which remains, you know, it's one of uh, Greg Braden's 
keys of conscious creation are the divine matrix that hangs out in quantum physics. Everyone talks about this. Quantum entanglement is um, subatomic particles come together and they remain always connected. So when you split and you go in two directions, those two selves have to be entangled. Yeah. And somebody once said to me, Pete, how did you know that you could have conversations with other selves? And I said, well, it never even occurred to me that you couldn't. Now, that in itself is, of course, the observer effect. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we, what we intend, we create. Yeah. And we create incredible conversations between people with themselves and other realities that took a different path. But we always do it with the intention of swapping intel so that they can help each other and raise the vibration of both situations, both people, both timelines. And that which we raise the vibration of, it goes out into the universe itself. Yeah. I've, I've explored this with Penny Kelly, who has, who's the most incredible, you know, she had a Kundalini experience in her 30s. Do you know who Penny Kelly is? No. Oh, no, look, a consciousness teacher. I'll connect you guys because she's awesome. Yeah, I'll write a name down. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and she had this unbelievable Kundalini experience. And she talks about it like everyone has Kundalini experiences like her, but we so don't, in that she just was exploded open to the perception of subtle realities in all its dimensions. So wow. she could see and speak to elves and the, you know, the David kingdom, the ET, different levels of like dimensions of the ET kingdom and dead people. And, oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, so she's had an amazing experience. She's in her seventies now and she worked with a neurophysicist, Dr. Levengood for 20 years. And um, she has had this experience with other selves where she has made decisions and then, yep. like one of the stories was, <laughs> husband says, come and make love, you know, come to bed and have, make love with me. And she's like, no, I'm canning tomatoes. And then some aspect of her, some part of her makes, you know, goes off and has sex with her husband and someone stays in the kitchen and cans tomatoes. But as she goes to bed, she sees this, she, she walks past herself in the hallway. Like she, it just amazing. It's, it's kind of mind bending because we live in such a linear mm. perspective that there are all these other decisions that have manifested in some aspect of us, parallel life, um, not just this yeah. life, but uh, other lives, call them past or future lives. It's kind yeah. of mind bending. Uh, and, yeah. and look, those, um, those examples are fantastic. And, you know, when we're open to them, they happen. And when we started to do the experimentation with the quantum consciousness work, you know, we were the first crash test dummies, of course. We weren't going to teach this to anyone or, you know, get anyone taken into their clinical practice without trying it out on ourselves first. And I had a, when I was 50, I had this incredible experience with my 60-year-old. So this is five years ago. And um, at that time, I was teaching the hypnoenergetics work. Um, I was still president of the Mutant Institute in my old role. Uh, I had a busy clinical practice, had all this stuff happening. I mean, how am I going to bring in this quantum consciousness stuff? And um, so I said, well, why don't I move into the future and have a chat to my future self and we can have a conversation, you can tell me what to do. So my partner, Melina, who's in the work with me, um, we, she took me on this journey and my 60-year-old came through and he said, um, this work's really, really important. I said, well, what do I do? How will I find time? He says, stop doing that one. And he said to retire and, and leave the hypnoenergetics work. So right. I did. So I, I stopped teaching that and had some other people that I'd taught up over the years. So they took it forward. So I just left that and, and then the space was there for the quantum consciousness stuff to come. So I stopped 
for a while being a hypnotherapy teacher and um, had to surrender sort of some of the hypnotherapy methodology because the quantum stuff was so different. Um, so then I retired, I started to do the research and of course there's no money in research. <laughs> so, um, you know, I still had my clinical practice going and then it was sold and a dermatologist came in and wanted to medicalize everything and part mm. of that was tripling the rents of all of our rooms. Mm. So I said, well, I can't really afford to do that. What do I do? So I went, um, you know, there was a, another clinic. I was going to take a couple of days a week. I was going to share rooms with a psychologist. I went down there and I'm sitting in this beautiful clinic in the inner eastern suburbs of Melbourne, which is a really nice part of Melbourne. And it was um, a well-established healing centre. It was both alternative and traditional. It was a good mix of a team. I was going to share with a psychologist. I'm sitting in the room with the owner she says, do you want to take the room two days a week? And I went to say yes, and this voice yelled in my ear, said no. And I said, okay. And she said, so she said again, do you want to take the room? I'm about to answer yes. And she said, and this voice said no. I said, I'm going to get back to you. Give me a day to think about it, and I'll come back to you tomorrow. So I went outside. Melina was with me. Um, so I'd get her to feel into the room and give me her view as well. She might have done some work out of there. And I said, um, what did you think of that voice? She said, what voice? <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, look, it's finally happened. I've snapped. But so I said, okay, well, let's explore it. So we went home and, I, and she put me into a beautiful expanded state, floated me out of my body into this in-between place where we had those conversations. And my six-year-old stepped forward and he said, don't take the room. I said, why? He said, because you'll have a client that will come to see you. She's mentally disturbed. She's very connected. She's very powerful. Uh, she'll project all of her stuff onto you and you will have an experience of, you know, um, being completely vilified and she'll set out to destroy you. Oh, and the wow. work will never happen. And I said, okay, I won't take the room. Okay, okay, okay. I, I want to just stop you here. I'm just going to back up a little bit. So this okay. speaks to what I uh, started talking about with how it's all how everything's already happened, like everything's predestined is not the right word. So yeah. well, time's an illusion. That's the best way to look at it. Time, yeah, we experience time as linear. So from if, yeah. if time is not linear, then everything that's going to happen has already happened. Sure. So if, if we have what is called free will, how can we create a reality that's different if it's all already happened? So this is kind of where it gets a bit mind bending. So how I been explained how I see it how they've kind of showed me is they've, how they've told me it's like a video game <clears throat> which has all these uh, probable realities already set out there and and then as you're moving through the video game your choices is choosing different you're choosing different uh, timelines but so so your 60 year old comes back to you and says if you take the room, this is going to happen. So that's already happened because your six-year-old's yeah. telling you about it. Yeah. So it's a probable reality you didn't choose because your 60-year-old said, don't choose it. And yeah. then you chose a different timeline. Yeah. Is that how it all happens? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good summary. I mean, when, when you say everything's already happened, I mean, everything has already happened. Everything, everything has already in happened. in its possibilities. Yeah. So the free will gives us the path towards choosing which of the realities we want to um, bring in one? this particular timeline. 
Okay, so we can claim any of those possibilities and bring it into us through, if you right. like, the observer effect or the creator effect, as we like to call it. Um, we bring that in and we manifest it in a way that uh, brings it into this reality. Um, I once did a session and I got very strongly in that, but this is the ultimate reality because this is the one where we know about all the others and we can bring what we want from the other ones into this one. Oh, interesting. Okay, so what is the difference in your work now between the um, life between life hypnotherapy work that you were doing, you know, after you worked with Michael and everything to the quantum consciousness work that you're doing? Are you still taking people through journeys, like putting them into a, a, a yeah. hypnagogic state or what, what's happening? Um, where I'm at with the Life Between Lives work is um, I'm still a, a passionate supporter of Michael Newton's work as the director of his legacy for the world yeah. as well. Uh, still on the board. Um, I guide some of the new directors from time to time. From the experiences I've had over the years, we've got a great team there now. Um, seven directorships and we're rebuilding a whole lot of stuff because our organisation is growing so beautifully. So seven wonderful volunteers run that board now. Uh, so I'm still doing that. I'm still teaching Life Between Lives work. Uh, we're taking it into China this year. Wow. So we're going to run the first Life Between Lives training in China. And uh, I'll be leading that with um, Dr. Tio, who's one of our guys in Malaysia. So I'm still very active in all of that. Um, still doing Life Between Lives sessions as well. Oh, you are? So, yeah. So now at Coffs Harbour? Or, or you, you, do, do you do um, them online now? I, I don't do them online. I do some things online. Right. quantum work etc but not the lbl because often that's a four-hour session and yeah you know it just needs that personal touch that goes a little bit deeper yeah 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 so um wow. so i'm still very much in that but but there was an evolution that um that michael offered when i learned that work with him and that is that when with a life between lives where we go and for people who don't, haven't heard of that before that's where we go in between our incarnations so you can do past life work, you can go to this past life, that past life. But where are you in between in that dimension known as a spiritual realm where you debrief one life and plan the next and have the sweeping view across the lineage of your soul, which can be so powerful to understand that, for example, Karen is just one chapter in a, a really long and exciting book. So what can Karen learn from reading the other chapters and reading the themes across those chapters? It's great to drop into another chapter, but what's the whole theme of the whole book? That can be incredibly powerful work. Yeah. So, so what Michael showed me was that as we go down, we go into this um, deep state of hypnosis, but then we go into a past life and then we come out of it and we have what is pretty much an out-of-body experience, which is what happens when we die. So over the years that got me thinking of well is this really hypnosis or is this an altered state of awareness are we expanding ourselves out beyond what we normally have as our conscious self our understanding and i've already known the incredible power of the work because our conscious meets the superconscious for the first time you know we awaken our soul literally and the but beauty of that is amazing but isn't hypnosis an altered state of awareness like I'd see hypnosis as a more real state of awareness. Like we're operating yeah. inside a matrix and we're in a we're in an altered state of awareness. And then hypnosis kind of breaks the chains, breaks the boundaries, mm. breaks the limitations mm. that we're under mm. to give mm. us a more 
a broader view or an expanded perspective perception yeah. of who yeah. we are as spirit having a physical life so yeah so so for my yeah. mind there's a difference between this deeper type of work and normal hypnosis okay because hypnosis certainly heightened uh, awareness is a characteristic yeah. of awareness of um, hypnosis and if somebody has age regression for example you know a 40 year old may want to go back and you know um, unpack some trauma from when they were five now these are difficult memories that are held inside and you can get a body sensation with them and all sorts of stuff you can unpack trauma and i think hypnotherapy is probably the most effective way to handle trauma that's ever been invented it's all due apologies to all the other methodologies cognitive behavioral therapy and all the other stuff that's out there um i do believe that uh, trauma is held in the subconscious so from this life anyway so um as we go down further if if you've got somebody writhing on the floor of the Colosseum, being um, hacked to pieces by a gladiator I mean, how is that something that's held in this body? Okay, because that's something that would have happened like a couple of thousand years ago. So what are we really tuning into? Is this a soul memory or are we traveling across time and space into a greater consciousness that gives us information that we need? Now, when somebody goes back to the spiritual realm, I mean, are they still in their body? No, they're not. So I think when we start to look at this more metaphysically, we're not actually, we might have been using hypnosis as a start point, but these are out-of-body experiences where we're surfing the universe that's full of incredible information, we're finding the pieces that are most relevant to us. Now, when I started to gel with this out of the back of Michael's work, because we were starting to get somebody hypnotized, that was just to get the human part out of the way. Then we're spinning off across time and space into a past life that is happening and unfolding in that moment. Then we're going through a death scene. Then we're going into the spiritual realm where there is no time. Okay, so we're no longer, the client's no longer having this experience as the client. They're having their awareness transported through other dimensions, other time and space, and obtaining the information that they set their intention to obtain. And there's your observer slash creator effectively, because that's what they've come for. Okay, so okay, okay. It's gonna... a lot to throw at you in one sentence. No, 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 no. Look, I'm just yakking with my guides as I always do. So, mm. what you see, I think the language, especially English language, I think language is a really poor way to depict what we're talking about but we've got to do our best so as i relate to what you're saying i've spoken to like nancy ryan's on the show who had an out-of-body experience a near-death experience in that when she was hit by a truck she was having simultaneously the experience of being under the truck dragged under the truck in her body and then simultaneously outside her body watching it so yep. when you're saying in hypnosis so many people that have out-of-body experiences have this experience of being out of the body and there is not an aspect of their consciousness still left in the body because they're now looking down on the body but in hypnosis or in your in sessions like what you do and what i do because yeah. i do the same thing similar thing you're having that dual experience of being in the body and out of the body simultaneously so out of the body kind of having these experience in alternative realities yeah. but yeah. still an aspect of you in your body talking to peter yes. you know on the couch that's because like you're using the body as a doorway yeah so and the awareness includes the doorway so you're having an out of body experiences but there's there's still a part of you still in the like i had this experience coming back at night from a, a 
a sojourn with some guides on the other side where I was talking to them and then I had felt this earthquake and I said to them, what's happening? And then I found myself back in my bedroom, outside my body and inside my body simultaneously. And I cannot explain this. I don't know how, because I was not looking down at my body, but I was not in my body because I'm looking through all the walls. They're all transparent. So I'm, I'm in this altered state, and, but I know I'm in my body and out of my body. And in my, it's like so weird to explain. Uh, and then I saw my little daughter, who was about eight at the time, waking up to come and wake up my body. And I realised that I was called back, that that aspect of me was called back to this body because my daughter yeah. was about to wake me up. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So. Huh. Awesome. I love it. So how do we unpack all this? I mean, so in a hypnosis or in your sessions, that's what's happening. You're having an out-of-body experience, but you're, in, you're still, as an aspect of you, still in your body. Well, we're, we're multidimensional. Yeah. And that's why, you know, a while ago, I could no longer call myself mm. a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a facilitator of consciousness. Okay. Okay. I just no, got a thought. Oh, sorry, I just got a thought just dropped in. Yeah. This is what they said. You're not having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> You're connecting with that part of you that is out-of-body having yeah. that out-of-body experience. Oh, my yeah, God. Could, that's just... Good definition. That's just shifted the perspective. It's not like a part of you leaves. It's you yeah. connect to the part of you that's already out of the body. Mm. Yeah, oh, having a multidimensional experience. That just makes so much more sense. Okay. Mm. Right. Okay. And this is, this is what I started to do with the quantum consciousness work by embracing our multidimensional resonance that we, are, we exist in many times and many places all at the same time. Um, this was the stuff that we could explore and we could take a theme out through the different realms of consciousness and get answers from this timeline, from other selves, from the alternative timelines, from the parallel lives, which are past lives beyond time and space, from us in an interdimensional space, in another type of body or even as in energetic form, whatever it might be, and then out into the fabric of the cosmos itself, connecting to all there is. So we would take a theme through the quantum consciousness experience and we would surf these realms, um, just moving from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to get answers to certain questions. Mm -hmm. Now, the question from each of those different perspectives might be quite different, mm -hmm. but ultimately it comes up into one um, convoluted, beautiful solution that comes from all the different angles of the issue that we're trying to either resolve or the exploration that we're trying to facilitate. Mm -hmm. So when we realize that we're multidimensional, questions like you've just asked and, and just probably the most beautiful answer from your guys, um, that's it. We are multidimensional. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's ever had a near-death experience has experienced that. Person. Has experienced that. Okay. So when I was chatting to Penny Kelly, she gave me a bit of a puzzle piece and I explored it further with my mob and it was just beautiful. Uh, she said, we were talking past lives and she said, mm, okay. She said, it's not really how you think. You'll understand this linear because it's all happening at once. So when you insert, I love the words that she used, when you insert yourself into the earth experience and you have a life planning session, you do so in all your parallel lives. It's not like you live one life, die, and then choose another life. It's like you insert yourself into the earth experience, like you say, okay. So, and you said it too, um, we come, we have an intention that we want to explore. 
So I'm going to use me as an example because I, I, I unpacked this with my guides and I said, tell me more about this. And they said, all right, so in this particular life and in all the other parallel lives that are connected to this life, call them past lives or future lives, you're exploring healing and teaching, right? And, she, and they, she, they said to me, so when you inserted yourself into this particular timeline of experiences across time and space, you're exploring it in all different ways. So maybe you're a monk in one life and a priest in another life and a, a, a witch or a healer in one life and me in this life. And, and you've kind of designed all those lives as you've inserted yourself into time and space. Is this making sense? So it's not like you've Perfect died, uh, you know, designed another life, come back, died, you know, it's like it's across time and space with that one intention across many lifetimes, but exploring it in many different ways as male, as female, in different time frames, future time frames, past time frames. And I've seen myself in many different past lives. Um, mm -hmm killed uh, as a priest, I was building churches and trying to, I got sort of caught up with the architecture and not what we were doing it for, you know, like, and sort of seeing the mistakes I've made as I was exploring being a teacher healer in all these different lifetimes. And I thought, ah, oh, that makes sense. That makes so much sense. And then obviously there's other aspects of you that have done the same, but they're exploring something else. So they're not exploring the teacher healer theme. They might be exploring parenting or relationships or, but it's a whole different set of lives through time and space. And look, there's a great opportunity to, let's just say that you had all those lives and there was a consistent theme that kept coming up and whether it's the persecution aspect or whether it's, um, being vilified for what you believe in, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Which a lot of what healers feel. Oh, oh. <laughs> the number of them have sat in that old chair of mine over the yeah. years is phenomenal. Yeah. But what, what I've found is, and this is what Michael's influence on me originally when I first started to do past life, I'd push go to a past life, another past life, another past life. I would just go to one and they would, it would end very badly and they'd be hung, drawn and quartered for being a herbalist or whatever it might be and mm -hmm. strung up in the village square. And they cross over and they're quite traumatised by this experience, but then they're outside of time and space. We have access to everything in the lineage of the soul. And I'll say, how many times has this happened? And they might say 15 times. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, great, let's get all 15 of them in there. Bring, ask them to come to you across time and space. And all of a sudden, the client's describing 15 people standing in front of them. And I say, tell me about these 15. Well, it's a couple of males there, but they're all from different times, different places. They dress very differently. And I say, what holds them together? And the sadness, the, the absolute anger and the, 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 the dejection and the depression of having been persecuted for what they believe in. Like the unfairness. Okay, well, yeah, absolutely. Injustice. That's Injustice, a great that's across a better word. Yeah. 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 So... What do we need to do to release this pattern? What do we need to do to set them all free? And we'll undertake some little sort of little healing thing. We'll form a circle, throw all the energy in the center, you know, uh, commit it to fire, transcend it, whatever we need to do. <laughs> and then you send all 15 back across time and space without the trauma. Now, the reason that all of this is possible is because Michael showed us that there's something in between the incarnations, which is an incredible workplace for people like me and my colleagues where we can use the wonders of the spiritual realm beyond time and space in order to release huge patterns across the lineage of people's soul. 
Now this work has come to the world at this time because we're looking for a, a rapid evolution in consciousness so we can change what's happening on this planet. Definitely. So all of this new stuff, the, the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing and so many like us, all your great guests that come on the show, we're all here to bring phenomenal change that is not necessarily trapped in, um, in its linear application. Right. We have to metaphysically work in these ways in order to transcend the old consciousness and bring in the new. Because we don't live in a physical universe, we live in a metaphysical universe. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that's hidden from most people. And that's the message that people like you and I have to send is that we are so much more than we believe ourselves to be. Oh, I love that. We don't live in a physical universe. We live in a metaphysical universe. Absolutely. That's a t-shirt if ever I heard That's one. a t-shirt. There's a t-shirt right there. I had that idea years ago, probably about 15 years ago, to write messages on t-shirts that were really um, like that expanded metaphysical, you know, genius creator, loved by the angels, blessed, you know, all that sort of stuff. I never got it together. I did talk to someone about it once, but one of the many choices I didn't make in this lifetime, but I'm sure it, you know, it rolled on some aspect of me made that choice. Yeah. Well, we need technology to catch up so that every day there's a different message. <laughs> the t-shirt. Same t-shirt. Yeah. Different message. That's good. I like and that. And you, you put it in the washing machine, you pull it out and you get another message. Yeah. yeah oh, that's the message for today. It's like the eight ball on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <sighs> okay. So, I'm still not sure exactly what the difference is between the LBL sessions and the quantum consciousness sessions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So let me, let me, okay. Let me summarize that and make it really, and this confuses a whole lot of guys that I taught as hypnotherapists in the old days. So I'm now training as quantum consciousness facilitators and right. universal consciousness, which is another application of it. I teach people to take people down into trance. Right with certain words, certain techniques, certain ways of doing that. Now I teach them to take them out of their body. It tips everything on its head. You don't go down, you go out. Okay, okay. So, like I have developed a technique just, you know, given to me by my guides. I do it with clients. It just, I just get, I had a woman the other day who turned up, she wanted a reading and I'm like, what do you think I do? Do you think I'm going to give you a psychic reading? I said, who gave you my card? She said, my sister. I said, do you know anything about me? She said, no, not really. And I'm like, oh, this is a big mistake. Like this woman is like, has no idea what the stuff I talk, like she's not on the level of the conversation. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with her? But Peter, I took her to a past life. I took her to, uh, she spoke to some dead relatives. I mean, yeah. she sat here in my chair, a woman that had never done anything like this before. She's in the corporate world. But yeah. she was she was very psychic, um, yeah. and she didn't have any. She had never had a conversation like I had with her. But she was she was actually ready. Otherwise they otherwise they wouldn't have sent her to me, right? Even though she had not been involved in any of this stuff, she was psychically ready. And um, but just really quickly, like I could do it with her really quickly. Is that what you're doing with the conscious? Like instead of the long kind of deep hypnosis technique yeah. you're just like you're getting them tapped there's, in really quickly there's something far more fundamental that enables it okay. and that's when i have somebody sitting in the chair over there or you know i work from melbourne sometimes um when somebody comes to see me um i hold the knowing that that person is an incredible multi-dimensional being that is that's here it. for something to do and by exactly. me knowing that about them i don't believe it 
I know it. Exactly. You know, after 15 or 20 years of doing this sort of stuff, I just know everybody is that. So when they sit in the chair and I join them sitting next to them and we quantumly entangle, my knowing of who they are fertilizes their consciousness. Yeah. In a way that allows them to respond to what I offer them because I'm speaking from a loving presence of who they really are and what I want to offer them. I mean, that, that client that you described, I mean, she had an appointment with you, but she also had a date with Destiny. I mean, that well, was an awakening did. for her. So, I mean, when they're ready, they're ready. But that would have come from the space that you held, I think. Well, that, that's it's so interesting that you're saying this because I had a little bit of a chat with my mob before you got on. I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And I had that conversation that hypnosis is more about the development the practitioner has been through in their ability to see the person to see and be with the person in their expanded, yeah. um, in their, with their soul. I don't know, what words can I use? To be with the soul of the person and not the personality of the person. So yeah, the person comes to the practitioner with, with their problems and their problems are the personality, right? But the practitioner has to see beyond the problems and see the soul. And when you have that awareness of your client, you know, regardless of the story they give you, I'm depressed, I want to commit suicide, I'm overweight, I'm blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Um, it's like I remember hearing that Jesus, you, you know, when he gazed on you, he never saw your problems or your disease, he only saw your soul. And I think that that's the brilliance of the practitioner is the, the ability to know, as you said, to know who they are in truth. And that knowing activates that knowing in the person so yeah. it's really easy to get yeah. them to access stuff yeah and and look the way that the way that this was pointed out to me in, in um, fairly blunt ways over the years particularly when i started to learn the lbl work over 15 mm -hmm. years ago now, mm -hmm. um you would see a client change from being their current persona mm -hmm. back into a past life character and then into their mortal essence as a soul Mm -hmm. and by the time you get them into that last thing, I mean, you're just trying to keep up. I mean, they're surfing yeah. the spiritual realm, and their soul's telling you what's going on. So it's no time to say, I'm the therapist here. Yeah. I mean, all you do is try and catch up. And I yeah. remember saying, um, I had, um, and we we're going to talk a bit about the off-world stuff, but so here's an example. Um, a client went down, she, she went down in this beautiful state, and I said, oh, what brought you to this world? And she's in a full soul state. She's an, uh, an off-world soul. She says, well, I came here to study the human brain, she says. Right. And she said, the best, the best way I found I could do that was to incarnate into a human body uh, so that I could experience the brain from the inside. So basically, I'm a researcher and I go to different planets and I research things like this. I said, <laughs> she says, do you have any questions? <laughs> it's, a, it's researcher, because she's correcting me and all that sort of stuff and telling yeah, me what's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I said to her, so I didn't, I didn't know what to say, so I just pulled something out of the air. And I said, tell me why human beings only use whatever science was telling us back then, 15 to 20% of our brain. Tell me why we only use 15 to 20% of our brain. And she mm -hmm. said, who told you that? And I said, oh, our scientists have told us this sort of stuff. They've measured the brain activity. And she says, oh, no, she says, you just haven't invented the machines that enable you to know what else is going on in the brain yet. Right. And I thought, oh, what an arrogant question I asked. You know, from my minuscule sort of human intellect, I've asked the question of this immortal soul. And, you know, I was um, sat on my backside, and rightly so. 
Um, but that's the beauty of this. When somebody gets in, when you experience the magnificence of somebody in their entirety like that, I mean, it's mind blowing. Absolutely. So what other questions did you ask this? Look, I'd love to hear about some of your cases and, and, and what they've been telling you, because as you say, you access this higher consciousness. And I think that that's how Michael Newton's work began, didn't it? He had a client, a hypnotherapy client he was doing for like giving up smoking or something mundane. And some higher self started speaking through this client and telling Michael all this stuff. Isn't that how that worked? Or well, that I, yeah, I think there's been a lot of experiences like that. It might have been Brian, but, I think. But, but was that um, Brian? Oh, oh, okay. Michael had some of that. I mean, we've all experienced some of that stuff yeah. as well. Um, but what I've, you know, when with the quantum consciousness experience and, and going out through the realms, I'll, I'll start there because there's a, um, a really interesting piece of research I did last year, but then I want to go back and tell a couple of stories. Um, when they move out through the different realms of consciousness, when they get to the interdimensional realm, we ask them to experience their consciousness in a different type of body or dimension. Now, um, I went to UFO Megacon last year and did a presentation for them, and, and cool. I pulled together a hundred examples of that. Um, uh, where do people go when they're not in a human body? And, you know, this is a hundred people out of seven billion, um, out of a trillion planets, out of everything, but, you know. Yeah. All data is interesting. Yeah. So I found that there were three main themes of where people went when they weren't in human bodies. And um, I've got the stats here. Um, and this was all between 20 and 40% of the 100. And the cases came from Australia, USA, UK and Canada. And this was done by more than just me. It was the network of quantum guys in those countries. First thing they do is they find a connection with advanced beings or group consciousness where they are a component of consciousness like we have individual separated consciousness here mm -hmm. but a lot of advanced civilizations don't actually have that they have a collective consciousness mm -hmm. and a portion of that consciousness um, incarnates here as the, the head of the arrow if you like but everything that they experience goes back to the group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So only a piece of that consciousness has to experience here for all of them to get all of the um, benefits of it. Yeah, so um, the yeah. connection with the group, yeah. So mm -hmm. the group consciousness um, is one of the main ones where they go. The other one is feeling uh, being in an expanded state, like just in energetic form, mm -hmm. being energy that can move through the universe very easily, very naturally. Uh, and that is, you know, a true nature of who we are. We talk about us being energetic beings all the time. Mm -hmm. And once the, the physical part of us falls away, that's all that's left. So a lot of these people experience just being in energetic form and they could, they could um, fly on some of these planets where they inhabited and they could sort of kiss the water and then float up. And it's, you know, right. sounds a bit like a, a, the next Avatar movie or something. But anyway. Um, sounds like freedom to stuff. me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Can we yeah. go there now? Um, <laughs> And the third one was the embodiment of life forms on other planets. Mm -hmm. And I had, would have people have described being an incredibly huge um, mammal on the bottom of an ocean okay. that moved in the heavy gravity, um, a lot of water lives. Nice. Now, out of the 20-odd percent of this, it was about six or seven cases of different water lives yeah. where people had actually been... Uh, either fish in an ocean or had been a water-type creature in a water-type medium, mm. but it wasn't quite H2O. It was something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, I've had 
huge numbers of water worlds reported over the years. There are lots of planets out there that are just completely water with no land at all. So that was interesting. So, but every experience that the clients went to had a relationship back to human form. Um, I mean, downstairs in one of the rooms here, I've got a painting that was done by a client as a gift. Mm-hmm. And when she went to the interdimensional room, she experienced a realm. She experienced what it was like to be a jellyfish-type creature floating in a purple ocean. Oh. Now, nice. in her in her life at that time, she needed peace and serenity. So she was shown a life where she was pure, beautiful, and complete serenity. So she was so moved that she went straight home and painted this thing. Nice. Gave it to me as a wonderful gift. So, so, so I mean, what do you mean by relationship with the human form? So when you said in every one of these lives, mm. they had a relationship with the human form. Is that what yes. you mean? The relationship? Every, every experience. So the experience as the interdimensional being, whatever it was, um, for example, the energetic being was experiencing uh, being trapped in this life and either a relationship or a lifestyle or something that didn't serve them. So they were showed something that, that echoed freedom. Right. Um, people that were feeling alone, having loneliness in their lives, we're shown what it's like to be part of a group consciousness. It's a group consciousness, yeah, yeah. So it's like the um, the greater wisdom of who they are selected for them from all of the um, ones they could have a particular okay. off-world life that never human need. So here's a question. Yep. So thinking about quantum entanglement and how these lives are relating to each other, how is the, for example, group consciousness experiencing the loneliness of the consciousness who's in separation in a physical form, feeling lonely and separate. How is the group conscious, collective consciousness experiencing that relationship? How? Yeah. Well, they were, from back there, they would see it as an illusion, but they would see it as a necessary thing that must be learned because they're up there, they could be thinking, they'll put words in their mouth, but they can, you know, we don't understand this human concept of loneliness. Right. And because we don't understand it, okay. they want to research it, they want to experience it. So they take a piece of them. And I've had clients tell me the reason they chose me as the piece is because I'm the courageous one right. to come into this difficult planet. So this person then lands here and experiences the loneliness and they're all getting the feel for it. They're saying, oh, wow. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've just got it. They've just given it to me. They, so the analogy they have gave, gave me was um, like a video game or a holodeck experience. So they're saying you don't have to incarnate into that life. You experience that life through your relationship with the aspect that's having the life, the Peter life, the Karen life. And so when I say how do they experience, really the major word that came up was curiosity. Yeah. So you said it's an illusion. So they understand it as the illusion. As we understand the movie as the illusion, we go to the movie, we cry, we laugh, we get angry. And we, are, and we walk out knowing great movie. So that's how yeah. they're experiencing us, like we're their movie. <laughs> you can learn a lot from a movie. <laughs> you can. You can. This is very cool. Uh-huh. So when, um, when we traded emails over the last little while as well, you asked about you know, the, the loving resonance of humanity and you know, how that's being helped, perhaps contact with, with other races. And I had this young man that came to see me and he was a really tall young guy and he drives those frozen um, uh, trucks for coals or whatever he delivers groceries and all that sort of stuff. 
So he came and he, he was sent by his auntie, who I knew, who I trained in the quantum world. So he turns up, I'm going to call him Greg. So Greg turns up and he's this six foot five young guy, shaved head. He looks a little, you know, um, like he might carry some off world sort of uh, linkages. Like he looks like an alien. (laughs) But, you know, a large strapping sort of good looking young fella. Anyway, Uh so he's 35 or something. So he sits in the chair and I said, yeah, um, we're establishing for, how can I help you? He says, you know, I'm just walking around and sometimes I just get this feeling of love. He says, it's really weird. And I just get this blissed out state and I'm really not sure about it is. And I just find it a little weird. And I said, when does it happen? He says, can it happen any time of the day? Um, you know, it just happens. And I, I know that there's something more to it. Um, my auntie sent me to you because you explore weird stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I said, I okay, it. okay. So I said, well, and, and I got him into a nice expanded wise state. And I said, well, tell me about the, let's recreate the feeling in your body very um, low-tech technique for any sort of a um, hypnotherapy type person. And I said, what are you getting? He says, well, I'm getting this um, this uh, beam of light uh, coming in through the top of my head. I can feel it. It's coming down through my body and I'm feeling the love. I said, great. Take your awareness up and let's go back up the beam. So I go back up the beam. And, and I said, where are you now? He says, I'm in a spaceship. I said, tell me about the spaceship. He says, well, it's full of these Andromedans and it's in the, it's, um, it's here and it's, uh, it's sending this beam of light down to me and the love's hitting me and it's spreading out on the earth. So I'm uh, like an antenna. I'm receiving this. I said, okay, great. And I said, now is the beam coming from the spaceship? He says, now it looks like the spaceship, it's just coming to the spaceship and then they're passing it on. And I said, Let's follow the beam. So he followed the beam and he went into the fifth dimension and there was a group of loving beings just standing around, if they stand in the fifth dimension, but sort of gathered, a gathering of fifth dimensional beings, creating the energy, sending it down to this Andromedan spaceship with the Andromedans there, because the fifth dimension to the third dimension, it's got to have a relay station. Mm. Okay? So, so we've followed this beam up to the spaceship we followed it back to the fifth dimension. And then he says to me, this is what Greg says to me, he says, he says, oh, I'm one of the guys in the circle. Uh-huh. So he was both the sender and the receiver. Beautiful. Okay? So there's your quantum entanglement again. Mm-hmm. He's the obvious antenna to receive because he's sending and he knows the vibration. Yeah. So he, this, he was telling me, when he told me these stories about, he would go into an apartment block to deliver these groceries. And he'd walk down the corridor and gave an example of a South American lady and her three kids and they're all screaming at each other. And he knocks on the door and she opens the door and he walks in and everything changes in this apartment. Everything changes. And he just puts the groceries on the bench and he goes out again. So um, he takes that with him wherever he goes. Now, the fascinating thing about this was that when he came out and he's trying to digest all this so we had a great chat he was going to go and do a bit of research i gave him a couple of things that he could explore and read and, and all of that and he went outside and um and i saw him to the door of the clinic that i work from in melbourne and he was heading across the to his car park and i work in a um a private property in a spiritual center down in melbourne, in melbourne. Uh, so it's a really yeah so it's a really long driveway down to the road probably 400 meters mm-hmm. anyway so 
I saw him after, I saw him walk across to his car and went and I sat down and he'd, he'd left the money there and, you know, I'm not very good at all the money things, so I'd sort of leave it and ignore it till they go and then I go and count it and he'd, he'd left too much. Oh. So it's oh, wow, that's terrible. So uh, I grabbed the extra that he'd left uh, accidentally and I ran out uh, to the car park and his car was gone. So I ran to but the top of the driveway. But he left it purposely, right? Yeah, the car, his car was gone. But then I went to the driveway and I looked down the 400 metres and there was no sign of his car. So he had disappeared. So what I went inside, came straight back out again. Yeah. Well, either some sort of a time uh, dilation effect happened, like uh, time stood still for a moment, or he dematerialised or headed off somewhere, or there was some sort of slippage in the space-time continuum. But again, I think what it was doing was the universe sending me a message to mark this as a story that I should tell people. Nice. And I just did because I follow instructions from the universe from time to time. Oh, Peter, look, I have met so many young people like him. Yeah. Uh, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, you know, the, uh, we had Michael Tamora in the Inner Sanctum recently and we were talking about how to change the world and how you change the world is to change yourself. Uh, basically, mm. the message was, and when you change yourself and you give yourself that ability to be able to see who people are beyond their personality, like we discussed, mm. then you see these, you see the disguise people wear called yeah. the personality, called the body, and you see and you see what they're doing and how they're doing it, and it's just fascinating what's happening on this planet. Especially with and, the kids, I was up. Oh, I've had a string of kids come through the clinic, oh and it's my just God. these kids are, are phenomenal, and and they're all little empaths as well. Oh, yeah. And they're all absorbing everything from their little buddies at school or something's not right with mum and dad and all that. And yeah. they're just holding all of this energy, and, you know, and I'm doing little uh, energy type uh, sessions with them to just release the trauma that they're holding on behalf of others. But they're here with a plan. There's a whole wave of these kids coming through. And, um, you know, we're going to hand the world over to them, and I look forward to that day. Yeah. I just hope it's in one piece when we do so. This has been such a fascinating conversation. I'm just looking at the clock. It's just about to go 11, 11, or 11. <laughs> uh, more stories, more stories. What else? What, what's another story that's blown your mind? So, well, yeah, go on. I was just going to say with this young, tall guy. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, he just kind of disappeared. So what I got straight away when you said he left too much money was he, yeah, he meant to leave. It was like, um, there we go, 11, 11. He was meant to leave. There was a bit of a message there for you to like know your worth. And um, yeah, he was meant to leave that money. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't listen because I put it in his bank account. I got a number off him. Ah, oh, you crazy <laughs> idiot. No, it was meant, that was meant for you. Oh, Just okay. to understand how worth, like, you know, how important this it's like we perceive money as worth, which is a crazy concept yeah. that we indulge in in this world, as if, as if money can ever have value, really. But that's how we perceive it, like worth. Yeah. Um, but it was a message about your worth and, and the work that okay. you're doing. How, yeah. Oh, and then you put you. the money in his bank account. Anyway. But, you know, I met years ago, how many years ago? I can't remember, a few years ago. This, when you talked about this tall guy, I met this guy at a party. I, I had a Facebook friend that was having a party up the road. I hadn't met her in person, or maybe I had, but anyway, I didn't know her very well. But I went to the rooftop party and this other friend of mine was there with this guy who'd come out to Australia. 
to work in the government to change all the computer systems so that they're all talking to each other because inside government nobody knows what the hell's going on they're all like in the dark and and he was uh he was headhunted from canada or something to come here to do that anyway this man looks such like he was like such an alien this man i never had that conversation with him because we were having a very mainstream conversation about his work and and then the government sacked him because they decided they couldn't afford him and it's just you know it was just government policies it was just kind of crazy yeah, yeah. so he was like at a bit of a loss what am i doing here in australia but he was so big he was like six yeah. foot five and he was bald and he looked like the michelin man he was so puffed he was like this oh really he, uh, he was such he was so alien looking but i wish i'd had had that conversation with him because i you know seeing past the personality i could see who he was as this galactic being that had come to change systems and yeah. that's actually what he was doing but he was working inside it mm. Mm. Uh, but i didn't because we were at a party and i you know i wasn't about to tell him mm. he was an alien but anyway it's just mm. yeah he would have been i mean you can almost you can almost feel it you can almost oh, feel it yeah. in some of these guys they have a different vibration and if you tune into vibrations yeah. like i'm sure you do then you'd probably pick it in one. Anyway, more stories. Look, you give us a few more stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a I had a lady who came to me, and she um, um, she's an artist, mm -hmm. and she wanted to do some deeper work. And she wanted she goes into a a state, and um, what she would do is would she'd have a little chuff before she'd paint, and it would chuff. take her out of body, but what? marijuana. Oh. So it would take her into. Um, um, an uh, altered state, if you like, and she'd create these beautiful artworks. Okay. And she says, "Yeah, but I want to. I want to do that. I just want to create the artworks." And I said, "Well, what does the marijuana do?" And she says, "Well, it connects me." And I said, "Well, maybe you can connect without the marijuana." Mm -hmm. She said, "Okay, let's try that." So, um, got her into a space where she was doing her artwork, and um, we took her into the experience we were able to do it because she'd done it once without the marijuana and she got it. She says, I just want to do that all the time. So I went to that moment across time and space and I said, okay, uh, now bring your greater awareness into this moment. Tell me what's really happened. She says, well, the art's coming through me. Okay, well, how's it coming through? She says, well, I said, track it from the paper. So we tracked it from the paper back up. You know, I'd like to follow things as you get it through the brush, mm -hmm. through the arm, and it was coming down through her shoulder. Mm -hmm. And her hand was just moving across the canvas. So I said, okay, follow the feeling of this, where this is coming, this, this is a wave of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So she followed it back and she connected with her in another dimension, who was a male artist that painted with light mm. on a huge canvas of energy. Wow. And he was throwing light across this canvas and it was all held energetically um into sort of you know a, a rectangle type object but like more billboard size and she was a male and he was this funny little guy on this other planet who was playing painting he was just throwing light on this thing and creating these incredible artworks and she was connecting to him so that was that was one and and of course there's purpose in everything so you know you ask the big questions um Tell me about the purpose behind this consciousness that you're bringing through into the canvas. Mm -hmm. And that was so that anyone who looks at the, um, the painting um, would receive the frequencies from the other dimension. Right. Okay, so it's a way of helping human consciousness by bringing art through. Now, I had, I had three or four 
similar type clients. Uh, another person would paint um, landscapes yeah. that they'd go and made, you know, like you're in Sydney. So, you know, someone would go up to the Blue Mountains, maybe Katoomba, the Three Sisters, whatever, and paint the Three Sisters. It's been done a million times by many people. But what this person would do is they would paint the Three Sisters, but they'd paint it in a different vibration. There would be different aspects of light. There would be lighter colour. There would be all of this. And they were painting another dimension of the Three Sisters, for example, that was held in a higher vibration. And by painting that landscape in the vibration from the other place, she was raising the landscape in this vibration and therefore the world around her. So for people that don't understand what the Three Sisters are, it's a rock formation. It's like this cliff that is like these rock formations and they look like three long, tall beings they are and they're called the Three Sisters. It's, a, it's beautiful, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. I, I, you so, know, I'm thinking about Brian De Flores. I haven't had him on the show. I, I, I met him like 25 years ago. Do you know who he is? He's no, an artist. He was a truck driver and he had some sort of, uh, out-of-body experience while driving the truck anyway another aspect of him walked in and then he started doing all these light codes paintings look there's plenty of mm. people doing them now but back then 25 mm. years ago he was he was one of the first light like he he draws light language and light codes and Brian de Flores I, I should reach out to him to put him on the Flores. show I don't know what he's doing now yeah. Sure I bet he's not driving trucks, that's for sure. Oh, no, 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 left that. He's became, he became really well-known and famous. And, but there's okay. many people doing that. Um, uh, so with your artist who came and she connected to that other aspect of herself using light, that gave her the ability to do her art without getting stoned per se, like without using the marijuana yeah, for that the was a, That was the whole intention. That was but to intention. understand it was, it was never about the marijuana, it was about the other dimension. Yeah. And when she connected uh, personally with the guy at the other end, then that's all she needs to do. And you said that as people look at it, they reconnect to that dimension. Well, they, they feel the frequencies that are they, being offered. Yeah. Now, how those frequencies affect people is probably as unique as the individual that's observing. You know, but ultimately, something's been given to them. Well, I wonder because when it's not conscious, it's just confusing. Like, for instance, my ex-husband used to be obsessed with Brian, Brian De Flores's, um art and he used to buy it and put it up on the wall, like buy the little posters, laminated posters. And But how that affected his life, I don't know because he still struggled with a lot of stuff, confidence and... Well, maybe just, it was, would have been worse if he hadn't. Maybe, yeah. I, I wonder how that affects your human life while you're still indulged in the dramas of the personality because, you know, it's only the personality that has the problems. <laughs> the higher aspect of you doesn't have problems, just the personality well, yeah. that has the problems. Like, like I say to a lot of people, every moment of every day, your soul knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, your soul knows what to do. Yeah. Oh, any more? Any more um, <laughs> before we go? Um, no, no. Well, um, any more? I mean, I, I think there's a. I, I guess for my mind, there's um, there's a lot of ways that we can elevate consciousness on this planet, and I think a lot of you know great work is happening. With, you look at the light worker movement and the work that you do and I do and all of that. But I think that there's these other things that are happening. Um, my experience of the off-world phenomenon is that there are so many off-world races that are just dying to help. Yeah. 
so many people connect with off-world races and they yeah. carry linkages back into, you know, and they, they label these things, Pleiadians, Arcturians, all that sort of stuff. You know, they're just global citizens that are further along than us in, in linear time and they want to offer us something beautiful. Yeah. And I believe that there's probably aspects of us that are in those races as well. Yeah. So, you know, when we, the last time we, we ran a cosmic consciousness workshop, so we, that's another like the quantum consciousness cos, cosmic, we're actually reconnecting people to their cosmic roots. And I've got to tell you, everybody has them. I mean, over the years, I've done something like maybe 800 Life Between Lives sessions. And I've always had a pet little question that I sneak in there somewhere. Have you ever incarnated on another planet? And everyone and said, yeah. Only two people have ever said, no, I haven't. And I feel that for those two people, they weren't ready to see that. Exactly, yeah. So that was the, the answer that came. Yeah. But we are intergalactic, universal beings. We're connected to the universe itself. Mm. You know, there's, we're one planet in trillions. If we ever thought that we were the only ones in this universe, it's the greatest act of arrogance you could ever possibly imagine. Well, it's the biggest joke in the universe, really, isn't it? Oh, I I mean, how many how many more sightings do we need to see? Yeah, you know, before some of this happened. It's kind of like saying, "Oh, Australians are the only people that live on Earth." That would be hilarious too, wouldn't it? It's like, oh, absolutely. Ah, wow, yeah. Will I share with you what happened last night? Maybe I will. Okay, yeah. so uh, a while ago, I was thinking about, you know, you were talking about the energy orbs, like you were saying, when people contact different aspects of their multidimensional. And what was the first one? The first one was collective consciousness, energy being, and what was the other one? ET consciousness. Uh, yeah, life in another type of body. No, another body, yeah, yeah. So I was sitting in bed one night and I said, well, who am I when I'm not in this body? So that was the question I asked, wanting to see sort of an energy being. That was what I was expecting. Like I was, what colour, you know, what, you know, just, just I don't know. Like I was just, I, I saw this, this prey man, this bright green prey mantis like went bang like this. And I think that my guides did that because I wasn't expecting it. And it was like a bit of a joke too because it, it was just so unexpected. Anyway, last night I'm sitting up in bed asking some questions again. And here come the mantids again. Like, yeah. here they are. And I'm saying, really? You guys? You? Um, because I'm thinking I want to chat to some aliens. That's what I'm thinking. And they come in. And I'm like, I don't want to speak to you guys. You guys are kind of odd. And like, why do you think we're odd? And I'm like, well, you're kind of like an insect. You know, you're hard and sort of spindly. And I'm this fleshy, soft human. You're so different to me. And then they started giving me these um, images and they, oh, Peter, they were the most, I cannot describe them, unbelievably beautiful wow. images of like sacred geometry and a little bit like Brian De Flores's artwork. Um, mm. And then I started to see the softness of these beings. You know, they might appear to be hard and spindly like an insect, but there was this softness to these beings that was, I can't, it's hard to explain in words. But, um, and I kudos to those artists who try and draw this stuff. Um, mm. Because when you see it in your mind's eye, it's, it's, it's three, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's dimensional, it's moving, it's spacious. So to put that on a flat two dimensional, 
you know, when you're inside it, it's moving, it's, it's spacious, it's yeah. light, it's colour. Just when you were talking about the artist drawing with the light and colour, it was reminding me of what they were showing me as I'm sitting in bed last night. It's just like, going, oh, my God. I don't know what any of it meant. Um, it was just I was journeying through the universe in this light and colour with these beings. And um, at, at some point I just fell asleep. So because, you know, yeah. me, the curious human me is going, why are you showing me this? What's this mean? You know, asking a million questions. And I don't think I've received answers to it because at some point I just dropped off to sleep and then I didn't remember. So once I'm asleep, I don't yeah. remember. And uh, yeah, but that's what we can do. We, we kind Absolutely. of can reach the point. Yeah, but we don't need the facilitator. I think that when you and I facilitate people and journey with them, we just teach them how to do it themselves really. Yeah. And they reach that point of being able to do yeah. that, right? That's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. Ah, oh, Peter, it's been absolutely fascinating talking yeah. with you today. Any last Thanks, thing Karen. you'd what like to? What a great to... chat! Yeah, what a great chat. Anything? Any last thing you'd like to leave with people? What's your message to the world? Uh, there's so much more to you than you know. Mm. Go explore. You know, don't watch the news. Don't read the newspaper. Don't form an identity from any of that sort of stuff. You know, find the pieces inside you that are dying, reaching out to get to know you. You know, they're uh, so eager to be uncovered and life will never be the same again. So they're dying to meet you, so go meet them. Yeah. They're dying to meet you. Or they're living to meet you. They want to meet you anyway. Words. <laughs> yeah. Peter, yeah, thank exactly. you so much for being on the show. It's been just such a blast. Thanks, and um, what, have you got anything coming up? Any courses or anything? Uh, doing, doing a couple of things in Melbourne. We're yeah, doing a quantum consciousness. That. Yeah, then a Gaia consciousness. Um, touring Sweden later in the year. You're touring Sweden um, later in the year. What month? I've got Swedish uh, people that watch the show. Oh, okay. October. October um, in Sweden, right? Yeah, the Quantum Consciousness book was translated into Swedish a while back. So um, they offered to send me a copy, but um, I said, don't bother. I would be able to understand a word of it. But um, apparently it's going well over there. Cool. That, so well, that I've is really good to hear. You know, I was speaking to Mary Rodwell and I've got a couple of clients in Sweden, well, in Scandinavia, let me say, Norway and Sweden. And Mary had said that um, Sweden was really conservative when it came to talking about extraterrestrials and quantum and time. Well, not maybe physics, but, you know, out there, out-of-body stuff and life after death. Maybe they're into environmental issues and, and kind of more mainstream consciousness stuff, but when it comes to extraterrestrials and they're very conservative and... Um, and my clients had, had confirmed that, but obviously that is okay. shifting, that's changing. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have a chat to Mary about that. I know Mary well. So if she's been there, it'd be good to get some intel. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. She's definitely been there and done stuff. Yeah, yeah, have a chat with her about that. So where are you going to be in Sweden? You're going to be in Stockholm? Uh, probably around Stockholm, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. There'll be some uh, public workshop and um, uh, practitioner training, etc. We're still in the early days of organising it, but I've got some local people who are helping me, which is great. So you train people to be quantum consciousness practitioners, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, and universal consciousness, which expands it a little bit further into the cosmic stuff and the Gaia stuff, uh, vibrational consciousness as well, looking into the vibrations of the human body. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and uh, there'll be another book at some point. Another uh, book? I'm not drawn to sit down and write just yet. 
fair enough. <laughs> when books are ready, they just turn up, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Thanks again. Thank you, Karen. What a fascinating conversation with Peter, Peter Smith. Just fascinating. We could have chatted all day, really. Uh, after we turned off the recording, of course, we're still chatting. I was asking him more about um, meeting his older self when he was 50, he met his 60-year-old self. And I said, um, what other advice did he give you? And he said, oh, well, not too much advice. And I said, well, what struck you about it? And he said, just his serenity. He said he was just so cool and peaceful and serene and, and just embodied, you know, at peace with his life and, and, and happy. And he said just uh, what struck him about his six-year-old self was just that, that essence, that, that beingness of him. And he said, but the one thing that shocked him was, because this was like five years ago, he said that uh, he had a ponytail. He said uh, because he was going balding, he sort of never thought about growing his hair longer because, you know, he was sort of starting to lose it. So he was thinking about, you know, chopping it all off as um, many men do when they get older. And he said, but the 60-year-old had this ponytail. And so he said after he had that experience, he started growing his hair straight away. So now he's got the ponytail. And, um, yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah, maybe you want to go and meet your older self. Ask them some questions. You can do it either through... Um, you know, someone facilitating it like me or Peter or somebody uh, or just ask your guides, ask your mob, sit up in bed and you don't have to be in bed, be on the couch, but just somewhere where you're relaxed and um, just ask and, and open your mind as Kevin Briggs says, just relax and open your mind, just open your mind like you're going to watch a movie, like you've become the witness. You're not doing it, you're just witnessing it and let the images come, let it come, let it come to you. Yes, so much to explore in this multidimensional reality. This earth experience is but one of the many experiences that we can explore and it's fascinating how it all dovetails together, how um, past lives are all happening simultaneously and what that means in this life because this is the life we're focused in. So we're going to explore other dimensions and other realities and other parallel lives or other lives it's uh, what does it mean to the life we're living and how we're living it and what we're doing here. That's probably the most important question about all of this. Fascinating. So the year 2020, lots to explore. As I said, I've got um, so many people coming up to the show. I haven't been down the list yet, but uh, um, the two girls, one Zoe and one is, um, oh my gosh, I've gone blank. She's going to kill me. Um, that are coming on to talk about their experiences with um, some beings that, you know, they call them ETs, but, but really they're not, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can call anyone that's not in a human form an ET, even when it's a light being, but an energy being or a being that came and downloaded all this information. So that's going to be fascinating. Again, we'll, we'll discuss, I think, with her, um, what's her name? Annette, that's her name. Uh, we'll discuss with her about free will choices versus it's all already happened. So we're just choosing a different timeline. We'll get into that because that's what they talk to them about too because she said that she was asking them questions and it was telling me when I had a chat with her and she said, you know, there's no free will. And I said, well, there is. And she said, no, nope, no, nope, the being said there's no free will. Anyway, so we'll kind of nut that out a bit more. I hope that helps you understand that the choices you're making 
have already been made. You're just choosing a path. Does that help? Does that help you live your human life? Esther Hicks says this. Uh, every time you have a desire, any desire that you can come up with is already manifest in a vibrational reality. She calls it ex escrow. Escrow is a word that Americans use, which means that you put money in an escrow account for a later time. So there is this escrow uh, vibrational reality or reality that exists and your desire for it, mm, I'm getting some information on that, doesn't necessarily create it, it connects you to it. Ooh, now this is, this is, ooh, this is interesting. Because as she speaks, she says, uh, Abraham says through her, that you're creating it. But what you're actually doing is you're connecting to it. So as you come up with a desire, it's not like you're creating the desire, you're connecting to a vibrational reality that exists when you want it, first step, step one process, wanting something. So when you're sick, you wanna be well. When you're alone, you, want to, you don't wanna be alone. When you're not enlightened, you want to be enlightened. You know, a lot of the desires that people come to me are, how do I speak to my spirit guides? How do I speak to my dead relatives? How do I contact my multidimensional self, my ET self? How do I go home? How do I know myself, you know, more fully as a multidimensional being? How do I connect to my higher self? These are the desires that is the conversation I have with people more than how do I get the fast car or the big house, which are desires that are perfectly acceptable but their desires from the ego and not really from the soul aspect of you or that aspect of you that's trying to be more present in this human life. And um, so I often say to people, just know that you already do. Like, how do I speak to dead people? Just know that you already do. Just bring that reality into the now instead of it in a future time when I learn how to do it because you already do in some there's some aspect of you that already does that so just bring that 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 into the now by knowing it it really makes the learning process so quick i was saying to peter how i work with my clients that i can take them to meet spirit guides and dead relatives and, and really quickly by a little process that i do and i do it really quickly because if you do a process too slowly the mind goes out to lunch you know if you say breathe deeply and and relax and breathe deeply you know as you're breathing deeply and sort of trying to focus on being relaxed the mind saying well I cook for dinner um, you know, like, I've got to go pick up the car tomorrow so the mind goes off so if you give the mind something to do by being really quick and giving it visualization and being really quick it doesn't have time to go out for lunch and um, yeah it makes the process really powerful anyway I won't grab it on too much uh, great to be back on the show after a bit of a hiatus on the show, but we are still every month in the Inner Sanctum. The next Inner Sanctum I'll be teaching if you want to quiz me and my guides. And then I've got someone booked in, but he hasn't confirmed. I'm trying to get Blair in for February. Blair Styra, he was on the show. He hasn't confirmed. He's not really great at answering the emails. He said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, but then we've got to pin him down for a time and a date. But lots of people coming up in the inner sanctum. Ishtar's going to come in. Uh, lots of people go, go on the website and check it out. Just getting all that, still getting all that organized now. I've got lots of fabulous people booked in for the next few months for the show and more people reaching out to me. A couple of guys reached out to me yesterday on email. That sounds fascinating. 
Uh, one had the third eye opening and his story sounds fascinating. Another guy who had an accident in a wheelchair and he's a hypnotherapist and he's had all these amazing experiences. Life's so fascinating, so many fascinating people to talk to. And um, I don't think either of them have been on too many shows for that. So they're kind of new, newbies with amazing experiences, which is always nice. So enjoy, 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 enjoy January and whatever month you're in listening to this. And I'll see you soon. Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death. We have some fabulous stories in there. Trying to get the second book out. It's not happening anytime soon. (laughs) It'll happen in its own good time. It'll happen. And love you all. See you soon. Bye for now.